Greetings everyone, welcome to Libertarian Europe, I'm Lucas Nunes. Today we have a special guest here, he's from France, he writes articles in French regarding libertarianism, he's an editor, having added the book Libre, A Hundred Ideas, A Hundred Authors, he's a translator of libertarian books to the French language, he's a specialist in cybersecurity, and he's one of the founders of the French libertarian movement, his name is Stéphane Gers. Thank you for being here today, Stefan. Good evening, Lucas. Thank you for inviting me. It's a pleasure. I would like to start with a question of how is libertarianism doing in France right now? That's an interesting question. Thank you. I guess, yes, uh, that's... Uh, how can I say? I, I would say it's not going too well at some point, but it. But on the other hand, I do see a lot of positive movements over over the last uh, years or so. So, if I'm stepping back, and I, I try to make a short story, but if I'm stepping back, I think libertarianism has been in France for probably two, three generations now. Uh, to some level, extent, we, we, we I guess we'll be discussed this. My, my own involvement, and I guess reference you made about the Mouvement des Libertariens, uh, dates back to, what is it, some 10 years or so, say. And if I'm looking backwards, we, we probably were more dynamic uh, 10 years ago, uh, probably, I would say. And probably there was more hope about... Uh, the, the libertarian movements to have any positive influence on freedom in France. Uh, I, a lot more than what we have right now. But on the other hand, um, more positively, I do see a lot, of, a lot more people being aware of the word libertarian, libertarian, uh, being curious about it, getting interest, coming to us to, to know more, watching uh, videos, buying books uh, in French or other languages. So on one hand, I believe it is not so positive because I see a lot of um, slowdown in terms of the energy that we put uh, overall to, to, to move forward. And, and liberty as a whole has been downgraded, I would say, over the, especially last year. But uh, so, yeah. The result is not too positive, but on the on the other hand, I see a lot more interest from the new, younger generations, like yourself, for instance, uh, which hopefully is uh, raising uh, hope for the long-term future. That's very interesting. And how did libertarianism start in France? I cannot really uh, tell this because... From what I know, I have—I would say—I have three milestones in mind. The first one is uh, probably the the word libertarian, the French for libertarian, meaning slightly differently, by the way. We can talk about that. Was uh, created or first appeared in in series of books by Henri Lepage in the 80s. Uh, so I guess the first uh, occurrence of libertarian in France dates back to the 80, I don't know, 85 or something like this. Then the movement started uh, one generation ago, with especially through the impulse of uh, Bertrand, Bertrand Le Ménicier, now passed, unfortunately, who was a uh, university professor of uh, economy and, and, and law. Uh, 
and definitely a stronger impulse into creating the, I would say, the first generation of the Mouvement des Libertariens. And then uh, when I created it again, or re recreated it, I would say, uh, 10, 12 years ago, with a group of um, friends, uh, we had basically gathered uh, from networking or other than uh, social networks, I would say. So it was it was a rebirth from a group of completely uh, spread out uh, friends, not even been aware at the beginning of the initial version from Bertrand Le Menissier. So I guess pretty pretty new rebirth, and it's all thanks to. Uh, all of us trying to find other libertarian like every one of us through the social networks, I guess. So thank you for the, for this and the social network. Yeah, the social networks uh, have been helping a lot libertarianism to be spread. I think not only in France, but in many countries, Brazil. Uh, in the U.S. also, in the U.K. And Murray Rothbard would say, ideas do not float by themselves in the vacuum. They are influential only in so far as they are adopted and put forward by people. For the idea of liberty to triumph, then there must be an active group of dedicated libertarians, people who are knowledgeable in liberty and are willing to spread the message to others. What are the biggest challenges for the ideas of liberty to be spread in France? Oh, I, I guess the first one, the, the biggest one is uh, the overall uh, and uh, environment, political and uh, um, media environment. I mean, also the education system. We we are, and it's not specific to France uh, in 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 any way. But we are completely drowned in an environment where freedom, liberty, liberté uh, is a very strong paradox. Where we are supposed to be one of the core history-wise. A country from liberty, where, where liberty is the first word of our motto on every single uh, official building that we have, uh, and at the same time, uh, it, it's completely despised everywhere in the news, in the government, in the propaganda, in the education system, uh, in the political system, in the leftist voice, pretty much everywhere. Uh, so the environment, the way people depict uh, liberty, I would say, is completely negative. There is a strong culture, and it's not only from now, it's probably coming from, I don't know, many generations already, but in France, very strangely enough, people want to be free, they, they call for liberty, but the, the, the idea of liberty that they have is usually very negative. So I would say the biggest, biggest one that we need to fight is precisely to go against the stream, again, the mainstream and pretty much every mainstream, to try to uh, re-clarify, re-connect uh, people with the true meaning of liberty and sim simply have them realize that what they daily, 
looking for on a daily basis is in fact liberty, but they don't even realize this. So to make it short, obviously uh, there's a lot of communication to be done. Uh, that's what I've been trying myself over the, the years in whichever way I've been able to. Books, uh, videos, uh, you name it. But uh, yeah, to, to make it short, I think it's not political system. I think it's not uh, history. I think it's just the overall communication and propaganda environment which which uh, conveys a meaning for liberty which is completely biased and distorted compared to what it truly should be. That's very interesting. I always thought about this uh, liberté, égalité, fraternité. Yeah. And how do the other two words uh, play in in the minds of the French people? Yeah, that's a good one. I guess um, liberté has been distorted in a way where uh, people want to be free to do basically whatever they want. Uh, and it's a f the, the meaning has been shifted and focused on I should be able, physically speaking, not, not in terms of rights, okay? But physically, I, I like for, to be, I mean, to be free for them would be, for example, I'm able to fly. Then I, I would be free to fly. That's the, that's the meaning most people have for liberty. And the same kind of shift has been happening for equality. equality. Uh, I believe that the original meaning from the three-word motto is really equality against the law. Uh, we are all supposed to be equal against the law. I think that's the understanding, at least I have, from a history perspective. Now it's really about uh, equality in terms of uh, revenue, resources, redistribution. It's the financial equality, okay? So we, they should not be rich, they should not be poor. We should all be even in terms of Wealth, that's the meaning, uh, the, the shift of meaning that is uh, predominant uh, in France currently. And even fraternité, uh, fraternité comes from brothers, it's brotherhood, literally. Um, we don't even use this anymore. It's not about brotherhood anymore, which is about another French word would be entraide, uh, that is basically helping one another, literally again. That's the same meaning, in my opinion, as fraternité. No, now we, are, we have shifted for solidarité. Uh, and solidarité is always another shifted word, uh, because in legal and insurance meaning, it means that we are all binded to this. In case of an incident, we are all binded to support one another. Uh, from an insurance perspective, we, we are uh, bound to... to how can I say so mandatory wise we are supposed to supporting each other which is completely different from fraternity which means that it's not mandatory but it should be spontaneous it should be uh, the mindset I would say at least that's the way I'm reading it so what I, I guess what I'm trying to say is the third the three words have been going through a shift on all every one of them and it's systematically a shift from common sense, liberty, traditional values to values which are pretty much those of the, of the left. Uh, capability is the dream of 
being able to do pretty much anything. Equality is, yeah, no is uh, revenue equality is no rich, no poor. And uh, solidarity means basically the same. If we are within solidarity, that means that you should pay for me. That's really what it means. So, yeah, I guess it's just another expression, uh, evidence of the overall shift of mindset over 200 years from traditional kind of values to leftist values, if I'm making it very simple. Yes, that's very interesting that you talked about solidarity. I was going to talk about that because from a foreign perspective, I hear this word a lot when I read the French newspapers, watch the French TV and listen to the French radio. It's talking a lot about solidarity. But every time they talk about that, I have the feeling that they are talking about this idea of socialism. Yes, indeed. Yes. Again, I mean, uh, I don't have the dictionary official definition in my in my mind, but I'm pretty sure that if you if you d dive into the traditional so definition for solidarity, it's it's coming from the insurance. It means, uh, guys, if something happens to a group, then the whole group should step up and be binding one another. Okay committed to one another to help uh, should something happen to one of, of you as a group, which is, which is okay when it's only uh, active uh, through an insurance company, because basically an insurance would implement such solidarity through the contracts they have and through the, the, the randomness of their own processing on incidents. So that's typical, the, typically the, the, the example. Uh, but that's not the way we, we go through this meaning anymore. Uh, we, we, all people claim for solidarity, solidarity, but in fact what they mean is, well, you need to pay for me. Uh, I'm on a special social program. Uh, I'm having, I'm basically on, uh, under, un, un, unemployed, so I should have uh, unemployment benefits, or I should have RSA, which is yet another social benefit. Such benefits are typically what would be covered under the solidarity buzzwords. And another question I have is that studying a bit of the French history and as I got more involved with France, because my wife is French, I started to see that the Republic has a very big role and the French society, and it affects the French mentality quite a lot. What do you have to say about that? I can only confirm. Um, I think it would be very difficult to find a significant area of life, let's say, where you would not be um, finding the La République, the state, basically, uh, having something to say in terms of some regulation law somewhere that typically would uh, put their nose into your, your dealings. That, that's for sure. Uh, it's very, very difficult to find any area where the Republic is not uh, here to tell you what you should do. Where does that come from? Uh, I guess that's a good question. Um, it's a long. I think it comes from a long tradition in France, dating back to 
Louis XIV, euh, The Kings, la Révolution, Napoléon. We, we've, we've been all over those 200, 250 years, uh, always gone through this um, uh, appeal for the, the, how can I say, the, the, les grands hommes. So typically people will be taking care for ourselves. We are always calling as a, as a people. We are always calling for that gentleman, miraculous gentleman, who's going to lead us to the future and show us the way. That's typically French mindset, be it on the right, on the, on the left. So from, from that history mindset, it is completely uh, possible and relevant for La République to put their nose pretty much everywhere. And people expect or even are demanding that La République should be putting their nose everywhere. So... It may be more complicated than that, certainly. Uh, there's the dimension of uh, psychology, of culture, of propaganda as well. Many, many dimensions certainly come into play. But I do believe that it's a long, long, unfortunate tradition dating back, yeah, pretty much when Louis XIV say, l'état c'est moi, the state, it's me. I think that would be typically a cornerstone from the history perspective. That's very interesting. And talking about your libertarian projects, in which libertarian projects have you been involved recently? Well, I've been involved in probably too, way too many, I guess. Um, probably two significant ones uh, that you can find on the net would be um, a website that I created with a, a team uh, of authors. So the, the name is Vue d'ailleurs, or VDA for, for, as a shortcut. Vue d'ailleurs is a, is a simple website, like, like a blog, except that it's uh, written by something like 10 different people, including myself, but not only myself, where on a totally irregular basis, we try to address... Uh, the news, some fundamental uh, concepts from liberty or libertarian clauses, uh, projects, pre pretty much anything from the news to theory, I would say, with, with a, always a different style in writing, always a different uh, angle, uh, sometimes humoristic, sometimes uh, history. We've all, always had some... Uh, correspondence uh, between so exchanges between authors, for instance. So we we try different angles for writing, and I believe uh, it's been around for now three years, uh, and I believe it's probably one of the most uh, uh, consistent and uh, strongly libertarian uh, blog available in France in French. Uh, it's exclusively in French. And there are other blogs very active in the liberal, uh, liberal uh, movement. Probably the most uh, well-known one is would be Contrepoint, but Contrepoint is pretty much uh, publishing, publishing, sorry, uh, pretty much uh, any kind of uh, even remotely liberal kind of writing. Vudayer is very strongly libertarian. Uh, it's almost. Uh, uh, Anarcha from from the beginning, so that would be one. And we probably are. I think we are. We have passed 400 articles overall, which is significant. I would say that's one. 
And another one which we are pushing and uh, giving some dynamics currently is uh, uh, Les Editions Résurgence, which also is a website where we have a, a catalog of, I think we have now 20 or 21 different books. Uh, all of those books are translations in French from more or less famous uh, libertarian books from yes, all of them coming from the English language. Uh, you will find uh, the French version of uh, Democracy, the God That Failed from Hope. You will find the French version of uh, Market for Liberty from the Tan Hill. And, and some of the writing from Hope, uh, some of the writings from uh, even from uh, Etienne de la, de la Boissy, for because we have re-edited him with uh, an, an introduction by Murray Rothbard. So different books, which all of them have, I believe, some interest from a libertarian perspective, where which we wanted to to, to bring into the French-speaking uh, people. Uh, to la francophonie, so that it will be at last available for those people uh, in other ways than only reading in, in English. Uh, probably those two projects are the most prominent, uh, I would say, from what I've been involved in lately, but, but there are others as well. That's brilliant. I have this perspective that uh, not only the books that have to be available in the local language, but also it's important to create local content. What I mean by that is bringing the libertarian analysis to France, to Portugal, to Spain for local problems. I think that it's easier for make to... For, for the people to relate, you know? Uh, absolutely. Um, of course, not everyone would be reading English. That's the obvious first uh, criterion, obviously. But we also try, uh, inconsistently, but certainly we, we, we systematically try, to give a number of uh, notes when we do the translation. So we, we not only translate the book and we always, by the way, we always try to be very, very close to the original meaning and text from the author. I mean, I really want to avoid translations which are trying to give some interpretation or the, the, the translator understanding of. No, that's really something I'm moving away. As much as possible, we are trying to give a translation which is as close as possible from the original meaning. Uh, and text. So that's a side comment. But I think it's important precisely to bring the, I would say, quote, unquote, the right uh, original message. That's the point. But still, while we're doing this, we also provide quite a number of translators' notes to try to bring perspectives or understanding or should the original text have anything Specific, like for instance, we have a book from Murray Rosebart on feminism, which was written in the 70s in the US. And of course, uh, there are numerous uh, mentions of the current political and uh, cultural context in the US at the time. Anyone uh, reading this, even in French, would not understand a number of terms that uh, Rosebart uses or the people that he refers to and mentions if we were not. Uh, helping the reader by trying to say, oh, by the way, 
this lady or this gentleman that is mentioning was playing that kind of role at the time or was famous for this or that reason. Or this magazine that is referring to would typically at the time be uh, favoring uh, this kind of political mindset or whatever, that, that kind of message. So, it, of course, it depends on the translation, but we, each time that we think it necessary, we do try to, to provide such perspective in addition to the standard translation so that people would be able to completely absorb the original meaning from the author. That's very interesting. And another question is, who are the biggest libertarian figures in France nowadays? <laughs> Good question. Uh, now, unfortunately, I don't think there are too many that I'm aware of, at least. Um, probably, um, there was one uh, who unfortunately passed away last year. I mentioned him already. For me, one year ago, Bertrand Le Menissier was probably the, the leading figure from the academic world, but also from history uh, activity that he's had. We still have other people from this generation still alive and active. Uh, Pascal Salin is probably the leading economist uh, from the Austrian school in France, still very active. We have also Serge Schweitzer, another one in the Marseille area, but probably shying away currently, but still for me, a prominent figure. We have, of course, uh, Guido Hulsman uh, from the Mises Institute, who's uh, a professor at the University of Angers. He's very, very discreet. Uh, doesn't show up very often in France, but still, uh, still, he's doing a fantastic job of uh, uh, sharing his knowledge on the Austrian School of Economics, at least with these students in France, which is very significant, if I should say. And then hmm, you, you find other people, many other people also would be claiming that they are uh, libertarians. Uh, one name would be uh, Gaspar Koenig, who's very present in the news, very present in the media who introduces himself as libertarian, but, uh, well, to be honest, I, do, I don't think he is one. He is probably, indeed, a lot more liberal than others. Yes, that's true. Uh, but, uh, for instance, he introduced once himself as uh, a liberal Jacobin, which typically means that he is a liberal favoring the central state, which is completely contradictory. Uh, but apart from those people, yeah, you, you, you would find people popping up here and there. But leading figure, I, I'm not sure, to be honest. Probably we're missing too many. I mean, we, we're certainly missing a real leading figure for the, for the libertarian, unfortunately. We once talked about uh, the, that the, many of these libertarian figures in France we uh, they they were older older people how do you see the relation of the youth in france and libertarianism i'm not sure to be honest i i see a lot as i told you i see a lot of uh, dynamics within the the youth um i see a lot of interest um many people read many people re reading English a lot more than my generation. So many, many more people read 
the text directly on the net. Uh, so, yeah, I, I do see uh, uh, a humming crowd, if I can say, for or, or from the youth getting interest in the libertarians. Now, how much of this crowd is structured? How much is of those people are organized, organizing themselves in any, any, any kind of movement? I don't see much of that. Uh, we do have a um, Parti Libertarien, which, by the way, renamed itself to Parti Libéral, which tells you a lot. Um, there was the movement I was leading, but now getting silent. Um, some activities from individuals, myself included, yes. Many, many, again, many, many, many individuals, but anything structured, organized, at least I'm not aware. I don't see much of that, of any of that, to be honest. That's very interesting. Do you see any fruits of your work in the French society? <laughs> Good question. It's very difficult to tell. Uh, it's very difficult to tell. I, I tend to, to believe that, yes... Uh, because I, I'm, I'm doing, I've been doing some books. You mentioned the Libre at the beginning. Uh, now you, we also have the big the Libs from uh, La Résurgence, uh, Vue d'ailleurs, which is uh, being read by several thousand of people. Uh, we also have La Page Libertarien on Facebook. So there are many, many different channels that we're using to touch people. All, any, any one of them is still very minor, but, but all of them, I believe, do reach out to probably quite a number of people. How much of those have been really strongly influenced or, or uh, uh, definitely, I would say, uh, influenced by any one of them? It's very difficult to tell, very difficult to tell. But I do see people coming to us, coming. So it's it's not black and white. It's it's not significant. It's probably a lot less than I would like to. It's probably a lot less than I would uh, expect that we we have as an in positive impact. But I do believe there is an impact anyway, and that's the reason why I'm keeping communicating and and trying to do other things, because I, I believe that at the end of the day, we touch, we finally, we do touch more and more people. Yes, it's very important to try to touch people in many ways, as you said, through the books that I believe that will build up a strong core, but also... I think on the social medias, you can do a, a lot of propaganda in a way, in a way that I mean that it's very easy to just make a phrase, a meme, and then it spreads like wildfire, no? Yeah, yeah, true. Something I've been trying to do on, on this uh, with different uh, success, but at least I'm trying. Uh, I, I'm trying to do. I've been producing quite a number of, of memes, uh, not all of not all of them being 
uh, as successful, okay? Probably most of them not being successful, but it's kind of intentional. I'm trying a lot of things. I'm trying a lot of different ways. So I, I'm doing memes which are basic uh, quotes, okay? But I'm doing quotes uh, in, in, in kind of very blend, neutral way. So basically, you have the text and not much more than that. But I'm also trying memes with quotes where we have a, a nice picture. So that at least the picture would draw the eye, would draw the attention. And then possibly people would be driven to reading the quotes. So I'm, doing, I'm trying to do a lot of things which would be visual. Uh, and, and so that at least it would be catching the eye and then people would be trying to read and get the message uh, also trying memes where the message would be humorous uh, or ironic for the same reason trying to basically to have people react uh, so I'm not claiming that I've inve invented anyway, anything that's not my point but the point is trying to mix up different techniques, visual, uh, catching the message, etc., so to come up with different types of memes, which hopefully uh, a few of them will eventually succeed in, in conveying the message. And I believe that at the end of the day, uh, I'm, yeah, that there's probably a, a big uh, handful uh, of such memes which have been uh, having a yeah, positive impact, hopefully. Yes, I think the memes, especially if there is some humor in it, uh, it it's very, very powerful. It really reaches a lot of people. That's what I have been doing on Libertarian Europe a lot. Uh, I believe that the memes, they spread like wildfire, especially if they're funny. Yeah, I agree. Um, at the same time, I think we, we, we cannot only uh, go by memes because uh, the, the libertarian philosophy and principles, although they, they can be very simple to express, they are so far away from the typical mindset uh, of our targets, let's say, that sometimes, okay, it's nice that we catch the eye, it's nice that we intrigue and people want to get, to get more and uh, at least have our attention, fine, that's good. But then we need to come up with some writing, some explanations. It could be videos, it could be writing, anything, but we need to have some more substance to convey the, the actual message, theory, etc. Because at the end of the day, it's a lot more to be absorbed by those people than only a meme or set of memes, unfortunately. Uh, so we, 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 we need to be... I would not say strategic, but certainly combining different approaches uh, so that, uh, yeah, at the end of the day, we, we need the whole the whole complex of um, media that, that we can have makes a consistent whole and reaches out to as many people as possible. Yes, I think that that's why I started the podcast and... I have been putting the podcast also on YouTube, but I haven't been using a lot of video. But I think that it's very important to have all these kinds of fronts, let's say, like this, in which you, you will offer a lot of different possibilities for the people, be it through some 
a very superficial meme with a satirical message, or then it goes to something a little deeper, like a podcast or a video. And then there are the articles and the books that where you find really a lot of good content that would build a strong core for these libertarians. Yeah, agreed, totally. And that's that's what I'm trying to do, trying to do, to, to work on the different levels. Uh, so yeah, I'm, 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 it's exactly what I'm try, trying to do. But there's another dimension uh, also, um, because that's, that's the content we're talking about, but there's also the who are we going to try to reach? Who are we going to try to talk to? Um, and uh, years ago, I've been trying probably to touch up pretty much anyone. Uh, and with time, more and more, I, I'm a lot more focused uh, and selective at least. And I would say there would probably be two populations that now, at least for me, I'm trying to avoid. Uh, I mean, not target. I'm not targeting. Let's say, if if any one of those people should come to me and ask questions, certainly I would answer. But I'm not targeting them. And those two populations are, and it, one might be surprising to you. Of course, you would count in the the, the communists, the leftists and communists in particular. It's it's not that I don't want. I don't dream of changing uh, the mind of the mindset uh, or, or the ideas of a communist. Of course, I would, but I I believe, and it's my experience that this, it doesn't pay off. It is very complicated. It needs we, you need to change pretty much everything of their philosophy, um, and uh, those people very seldom are smart enough even to understand what you're t- telling them. So it it usually doesn't pay off, with good exceptions, but it's not worth it. So that's one. I'm not even trying. Uh, and the other one is um, les libéraux, les libéraux démocrates. So typically, uh, minarchist in, in libertarian language. Minarchist um, can be of different types and different conviction, but there are some minarchists who have been minarchists like forever and truly believe into a minarchist um, state and policy and and and, and regime. So those people have been thinking through quite a lot the, the role of the state, the connection there is between the state and liberty. And although they claim they are liberal, okay, liberal, they still believe that there is a role for the state. It's, it is my experience that, again, same thing, it does not pay off. Uh, again, with exceptions, but usually it doesn't pay off because they've, they've been investing way too much themselves in trying to explain and convince themselves that the, the state has a role to play to protect and ensure liberty, which of course is inconsistent, but that's the whole point. So I guess I'm trying to find other kind of people, uh, probably more from cons- conservative uh, footprint or uh, not so much so because I prefer them or because I would be one of them, but mostly because at least I would expect those people to have some sense some sense and, and value in terms of, uh, how can I say, believing into the role of uh, private property. And because private property is so much of a core uh, of the libertarian uh, philosophy and, and theory, 
if you, at least you try to discuss with someone believing in or understanding private property, then I believe use, there is a good uh, background and a good uh, field, I would say, for conversation with such individuals. So all, all this to say that having content is important. Having a hierarchical content from memes to books, yes, it is important. But I think we also need to be smart into who we are trying to target because some people just won't get it. I agree. Uh, I have been, for several years, I have been doing some research, making polls on, on the libertarian groups, several of them in several different countries. And I came across this data. This is not an absolute number, but it's, it's something that changes a bit depending on the country. But uh, more or less about... 75 to 80% of the people that now are libertarians, they came from these, let's say like this, right wing and not from the left wing. So I agree with you that it's a waste of, of time. It's a lot of effort to try to convince the left about libertarianism and we have to be a big a bit more uh realistic yes and we have to think of resources that we have and we can't be wasting a lot of energy on people that will not give back the results that we want at the end of the day and, and again, I know of good and very positive exceptions. Um, for instance, in Libre, uh, the second volume of Libre, the one with two dashed, um, the, the first article uh, comes from a gentleman. The title is Témoignage d'un ancien communiste, so witness from a former communist. Uh, and this gentleman was grown up uh, in a communist family, grew up as a communist. And, but he thought, he, he challenged what he was told. He tried to understand the world by himself. And he was curious enough to try to read something else. And then suddenly he discovered, I mean, uh, the, the liberal, literal, liberal uh, literature, etc. And, and then he shifted slowly. And he, I believe today is not completely an anarchist, but it's a very strong libertarian anyway. Uh, and, and that's only positive. And of course, there is also a famous exception of Hans Hermann Hoppe, who himself comes from the very far left, um, but step by step came back and came back to, to, to liberty, which is also fantastic. So again, there are good exceptions, and we need to be careful not to close the door to anyone coming to us, even from the left. Uh, but on the other hand, trying to target those people, I think, is in general, uh, is a waste. Absolutely. Yes, I agree. We can't close doors. But thinking of tactics, hmm. it's more intelligent to simply focus on people that are more likely to to accept your ideas that are going to be more friendly, yeah. that kind of have some 
kind of values within them by the culture and by their families, something that's transmitted through time. I think it's a bit more easy. Yeah, uh, I totally agree. Totally and agree. regarding what you said about the liberals, not to be confused with the liberals in English, but the classical liberals, I also agree. I think our hope is more in, in this conservative people because uh, I think they have something. They are more willing to, to defend private property in my perspective. I think so. Unfortunately, there are also negative exceptions in, in the area. I mean, when, when you look in France, again, uh, on the right, uh, I mean, la droite is, is just a shame, to be honest. So many of them having policies and mindset and way of looking at the world, which is, yeah, w w which would not sh shame leftist, honestly. Um, where they always think that the state has a role to play, where they confused uh, uh, charity with uh, solidarity. So, and so little respect for private property again. Uh, they would not be uh, ashamed from, yeah, willing to tax people or to, to despise the rich and, and things like that. So, in, unfortunately, we do have a lot of negative exceptions as well. But still, but still, it is at least my experience that in many, many cases, if not most of them, as soon as people already have some respect for private property, then I start believing there is some hope with uh, anyone with this kind of mindset. And I, I would then start engaging. Sometimes it would be uh, not fruitful. Yeah, sometimes it may take some time, but certainly if at least I'm talking to someone who's not uh, refusing private property, there is hope. Another question. I listened to your latest interview to the French podcast Raj, and I remember you talked about shades of libertarianism in there and which is the one that you are trying to spread ah uh, sorry lucas I, I did not understand which, uh, which what you're referring to which which podcast i did not understand sorry you recently gave an interview to a podcast called raj no ah raj yes sorry rage yes yep. raj <laughs> indeed indeed <laughs> And uh, I remember that at some point you talked about the shades of libertarianism. Yep. And which is the shade of libertarianism that you're trying to spread? Yes. So let me, let's, maybe let's quickly try to clarify what I mean by shades of libertarianism. Uh, first of all, it was, it was a joke, of course. Okay, it was referring to the 50 shades of, uh, of gray. Now, now the joke was, so in France, we are more like in a 50 shades of red. That was the joke. But indeed, we have 50 shades of libertarianism. Indeed, I 
believe, or at, at least I try to be one of the very, very, let's say, yellow, if we take yellow as being the color for libertarianism, I try to be very, very deep yellow myself. Maybe there are people more, even more uh, pure, if I can say that, than I am. That's quite possible. But I, yeah, I, as a very strict Rothbardian, Hopian, Anarchap, uh, I believe I am pretty, pretty uh, strict, if I can say, in, in the concept. But we find indeed quite a number of shades, uh, to your point. Many people would claim themselves to be libertarian first, and I think we we, we owe the, the ambiguity coming from the U.S. because in the U.S. libertarian means more liberal than libertarian in French. It's, I mean, in other words, many libertarian in the U.S. are, are not anarcho-capitalists. To be even more explicit, they are just uh, liberals, liberal. So that's the very probably that's the very first level of uh, of uh, shade, but even if you go more and more towards a Rosbardian Hopian uh, mindset, um, then you you'll find a lot of those libertarian who are not um, adopting or even aware of the Austrian school of economics, for example. That would be a very strong criterion for for I would say sorting out. Uh, the libertarians, and I believe that if you are a real libertarian, you have to go by, let's say, uh, the understanding of economics uh, that are uh, taught by the school of the Austrian school of economics. That would be one. Then the next grade, next shade, would be the minarchist. Uh, if you take French literature uh, and the number of reference, uh, many people would there uh, define libertarian as being possibly an anarcho-capitalist or a minarchist. Uh, and I, of course, I do oppose strongly on that, but that's the case of many people. Many people would say, well, yeah, yeah, I'm a libertarian. I am a minarchist. Thus, I am a libertarian. No, I, I, I don't agree, but it would be a reality. And then, yeah, there are even different shades further away. Another... another Another criterion that I often find would be, on, for instance, on uh, 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 copyright and uh, intellectual property in general, copyright, patents, etc. Many, many people still believe that uh, intellectual property, because it is so-called property, it would be consistent with um, uh, the, the, the theory from the libertarians. Unfortunately, it is not true. But yeah, that one would be yet another uh, level or, or shades, I would say. So probably I'm, I'm forgetting quite quite, an, uh, quite a number, but at least those I think would be uh, typical shades that I see, uh, certainly in France. That's very interesting. I I agree with what you said about the importance of the Austrian school. I think. That's also the way that I try to go with libertarian Europe. I think it's crucial. And unfortunately, I see that many people that goes more towards this anger end uh, side of libertarianism, mm -hmm. they kind of 
despise the Austrian school libertarians. True. I, I forgot the, the Rangians, you're right. Yeah, I guess the Rangians are well, they're certainly better than <laughs> the leftists, so that's for sure. So welcome to Rangians in many respects. I, I guess you're right. Certainly, Ayn Rand was not really an economist herself, which is fine. And I guess she had so much of uh, an open, yeah, a love me neither kind of relationship with Murray uh, Rothbard that uh, because Rothbard is the father of also, or one of the fathers of the Austrian school, I guess there's some kind of uh, rejection uh, from from those Rangians to, to Rothbard and therefore to the Austrians. I may be wrong on that, but that's the way I'm, I'm looking at it. So yeah, you're right. I forgot the, I forgot about the Rangians, um, but they would be they would be yet another shade. They would be yet another shade. So I think we are reaching the end of this episode. I would like to thank you, Stefan, for for coming here today, not presentially but virtually. And would you like to say something else? Well, first of all, thank you again. Uh, it's always interesting uh, to, to reach out to other people and through the means of a new podcast. And it's always good to have initiatives of podcasts like this one. So first of all, I, I, I want to, to thank you and congratulate you for the initiatives. Sincerely, it's always good to have such initiatives. In English, it's always good as, as well. We, reach, we may try to reach even more people, and it's interesting to share between France and the rest of Europe. I, I'm not doing that on a regular basis. I should, I guess, but you cannot be everywhere. So I guess that would be my point. Uh, I really believe probably the rest of Europe, if I can say, might need to or might like to learn from what is happening in France from a libertarian perspective, because of this legacy that we have, which is a bit specific, probably. And reversely, I think probably there's a lot of lessons to be learned from us in France, from what is going on from the rest of Europe. We, we probably do too little of this. Uh, I need to change that. And that's also why I'm here today. So I, I, I'm, again, I, I can only try to commit myself to make myself available for such uh, podcast conversations, exchanges, and any kind of discussion with the rest of Europe uh, as to how we can benefit and learn from each other on uh, bringing the, the message to, to more people. I would love to have you again on another episode of the podcast to talk about other subjects, not necessarily only France, because you are one of the most lucid libertarians that I met through these groups in Europe. Thank you for this. Very kind of you. <laughs> <laughs> I try to be realistic. I think it's I think it's key for a libertarian. If you're not realistic, then you can, there's no way you can read the world and you can try to find a way forward that it would be any chance of success at all. So yes, I try to be realistic. So, we have reached the end of this episode. If you like this content, share it with your friends and please subscribe to our channels. You can also support us with some donation at our website, libertarianeurope.com. 
There you can also find a lot of interesting content, not only in English but also in other languages. Thank you for listening to this podcast. See you again soon. Stay brave, and most importantly, stay free.